We are live, and we've got some UFOs and mysticism on the way. We're going to let Larry bring us in. Here's Larry. All Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. (laughs) C.J. Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Hello, everybody. This is CJ Derringer. Shouting out to all of you unexplained ones out there, wherever you might be in the universe today. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. I'm here with my co-host and friend, Dr. Mounts. We are missing Smitty Neves this time around, but he'll be back shortly. And we have the lovely Cheryl Costa gracing our presence to dig into some ufology today. And my goodness, is there a whole lot those that are listening and not watching cannot see how large this book is but i'm holding a sizable book in my hands yeah, i've got one all too ufo sightings just from new york <laughs> it's unbelievable i can't even believe it so i'm super excited to sink our teeth into this a little bit more and and talk to cheryl so cheryl thank you so much for joining us my pleasure my pleasure yes thank you so much so one thing that really struck me reading this book, I, I truly can't believe that these are all just sightings in New York. I mean, there are countless stories in well, there. Well, all those stories in there were not always necessarily New York. Most of them were, and maybe about the last year or so of the seven-year run of the column, um, I did write some other locations. Uh, but, but you did have some earlier yeah. ones too. That's true. Yes, you had some very early stories from way back when as well. So that is true. But wow, it is it's extensive. It's a really, really great read. I found it so interesting and um, had lots of takeaways. But before we dive into that, tell us what um, inspired you to start this column that you wrote for it was the Syracuse New, New Times, Times, correct? Yeah. Um, it was funny. Uh, First thing, I, I was exposed to uh, a UFO sighting when I was 12 and had another one when I was 18, uh, not actually 19, when I was in Vietnam, I, I, I saw a, a rather substantial sighting. So I followed it most of my adult life, not fanatically. If I saw a book uh, in the bookstore or something like that, I might buy it, a magazine article, whatever. I was, But I, was in, I read anything that came across my desk, so to speak. Um. I retired. I had a total of almost 10 years in the military, two years in the Air Force, combat service in Vietnam, and then uh, another uh, uh, seven or eight years in the Navy, uh, in Cold War Navy, doing that Tom Clancy stuff in nuclear submarines, that kind of thing. And then um, the bottom line was when I got out of the Navy, I went to work for uh, essentially Lockheed Martin and did retired from there for 32 years in uh, 2011. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, did analysis work for them? I did a number of things for them that uh, first five years of my career, I produced industrial films because I had gone to film school and they said, could you make us cheap movies? You know, so I said, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So we did that. 
and uh, mostly training films, few, few uh, public relations films, that kind of thing. Uh, and then uh, I went into IT in the company and the IT stuff. The reason I got into IT was I was working for a field service unit uh, that was related to submarines. And they wanted people who could talk submarine. Okay. And uh, when my phone rang, it was usually, it was a, 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 a commander or an admiral someplace saying our submarines broke, da, 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 da. can you put somebody on a plane with parts and equipment and that type of thing, which is what I did for a number of years. And then uh, I went to work for the IT people and I became their antivirus and their intrusion guru. Uh, basically, as they say, I know where all the bodies are buried on, on our mm -hmm. intranet intranet so, oh. um so th that was the deal so i retired they retired um in 2011 they started retiring a whole bunch of people who could probably easily retire they were paying us way too much and it was you know that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. uh so they 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 started down the hall and started taking out the 40-year project managers the 35-year people i was in the 32 years there so the 30-year people you know we all got retired on friday kind of thing um, I went to work. I wasn't ready to retire. A lot of friends of mine wanted to, uh, were ready to retire. They, they were going to play golf. They were going to go fishing. They were going to go explore the Himalayas. Uh, you know, they were going to do all this stuff, go to divinity school, you know, this type of thing. I hadn't made any plans for that. I thought I was going to work another 10 years. Yeah. So uh, I went out and got a job at a local newspaper since I had an electronics technical background and i went to uh, i went to work for a newspaper big newspaper in town but not as a writer i was in the technical department and i was responsible for a certain degree of the electronics there and uh my department since we had to sit around something isn't broke every night so we sat around we made the plates for the newspaper every night Okay. Uh -huh. And it's like, imagine a um, cookie sheet without any rims on it. And it was like laser printed onto a thing like a cookie mm -hmm. sheet. Okay. So we did that. And one night, right, uh, just after a 700 ton Swiss press got rolling, all we had to do was wait for two hours for that run to get done. We could all go home. Okay. And I was looking at, on, I was online and, as, and there was this CNN.com article, a little sidebar story, 150 words is all it was. And it said UFOs have been re re UFOs have been declining since the 1980s. Maybe they were always just an urban legend. Oh. And in mm. my heart, I said, "Wait a minute, that sounds like misinformation. That can't be right." And so I went out for the first time in my life. I went out to the National UFO Reporting Center's webpage, <laughs> and I dug down a couple layers into the page, and I I found some end of year total numbers. Right. And I went back to the 1980s and I sat there and I, I started dropping them into a spreadsheet and I did a graph and the thing went up like a rocket. And I said, what memo didn't the UFOs get? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? And I said, whoa, they have been declining. They've been coming, going up like a rocket. So um, the next couple of nights after the press got rolling, uh, I started reading some of the accounts. And I, you know, I've been baptized in this stuff like everybody else. And the only people who report UFOs are kooks, nuts, and crackpots, you know. But I'm, I'm reading <laughs> essays by people. I didn't believe in this stuff until my wife and I were laying on the hood of my car and we saw this, da, 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 you know, mm -hmm. and going, wow. Right. So I had gone, I was back in college going to school in the daytime and working nights at the newspaper. And my degree was going to be in entertainment writing and finishing a 40, a 40 year old bachelor's degree, so to speak. And, um, so it, I really only needed about 30 credit hours to finish. Okay. 
So um, I started writing, I wrote up a bunch of stories as if they could go into a column, 500 to 1,000 words worth of stories. And I started pitching editors for newspapers in upstate New York. Um, they chased me out of the office, laughed me out of the office, had security <laughs> escort me to the door. It was it was embarrassing. Okay, and then um, a guy a guy who was the uh, chief editor in chief at a weekly, Syracuse New Times, invited me over, and he had heard Grapevine. There's this silly lady running around trying to sell us UFOs, right? You know, and we came over, we talked, and he basically had read. We're about the same age. We'd read all the same stuff as teenagers, the same authors from back in the late sixties, early seventies. And basically he said, um, I can't write this, but you can, I'll try you out for a month. Oh, okay. Five, five articles later. And of course he had this tone, like, uh, like, like, uh, he had this tone, like the, uh, the guy in, uh, uh, um, the princess bride, the dread pirate robbers, almost likely kill you in the morning, <laughs> morning kind of thing, you know? And, and, uh, he, uh, he said, I'll try you out for a month. About a month later, he calls me up. He says, Come on over. We have to talk. I thought, well, that's it. <laughs> well, I got a chance to do this. What the heck? You know, I come in late to the meeting and it's a team meeting and I walk in and all the columnists are sitting around this big, big board table. And I walk in, he stops talking. He's been talking to him. He stops talking, points at me and says, there's our rock star. Ah. I said, what are you talking about? He says, you're, you've been here four weeks and you're pulling more page views than all the columnists combined. Wow. Nice. And, and all these editors said, who uh, threw me out, said, who the hell would want to read an article about UFOs? It's silly nonsense. And um, at that point, uh, that started 200, that book you've got are 238 articles that I wrote over seven years. And people think, oh, writing a column must be fun. Um, think of it this way. It's a 500 to 1,000 word term paper every Thursday. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and in that's high school, a lot of I worked, work to find these stories too. To, to get it was to these research. Stories. The research yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. It was a lot of research. And deep into a couple of years into it, I because New York State was my beat, I was adding up numbers in New York State cities and counties, things like that, you know. And finally, around 2015, some we had done something we were showing it to retired like MUFON investigators here in New York. And they're saying to us, wow, we didn't know there was a cluster there. And we didn't know there was a cluster there. Nobody had ever, they were all case studies they had done, but nobody had ever put the numbers together before ever. So um, Linda was looking at, we were sitting in our pub staring across a couple of pints one night. And she said, <laughs> what if we did the whole country? And she's oh the gosh. scientist of the of the two of us. She's got the science degrees. I mean, I've got the arts and entertainment degree. I've got the top hat and the cane, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so <laughs> I'm the one that goes out and does all all the conferences because I don't I don't I can stand up in front of an audience of twelve thousand people and it doesn't doesn't bother me. Uh, she's a little on more shy side. I've been getting her to do podcasts lately, but that's about it. But she held a very tight scientific line on how we would do the research and how to present the material, what kinds of graphs to put in, things like this. No cute aliens on the cover, that kind of thing. <laughs> that, that was the flavor. And well, the other thing to keep in mind is she used to work for the National Academy of Science, and she was the head librarian at the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, Protection Agency's Toxicology Library for 15 years. So she knew how to make something. The first book we printed was, uh, the white one was 2001 to 2015, 
you know, UFO desk reference. And uh, she made the thing look like a government report, kind of subversive that way, you know. She, you know. But smart, very so smart. That was the idea behind it. Now, the pink book of that of that um, Dr. Mounts held up. Uh, the reason that's pink is in 2019, um, we got called from some of the usual suspects in D.C. for the UFO community down there, and they said, uh, "Oh, gee whiz, you know, if if." Senator Rubio's bill gets attached to something that will pass. We didn't know about COVID yet. Okay. Uh, and uh, gets passed. We might get congressional hearings in 2020 or 2021. Mm -hmm. So he says, uh, and, and then he says, well, you ladies have written the only books of statistics on UFOs ever. Are you prepared to testify before Congress if necessary? And I said, Linda, the, Linda and I were defense, we were government contractors and you spend your whole career in, def, in government contracting, trying not to be called in front of Congress. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, so we decided if we were going to be called in front of Congress and they're going to be up there flipping through some book, we wanted people to know it was our book. So we decided to make the cover bright fuchsia. You could flag in an aircraft with it, you know, and uh, it was made by a couple of women. It's dedicated to a woman. So we figured what the hell let's, let's do this, you know? So that's, that's, oh, that's how we great. got to where we are now. The newspaper went oh, out of business wonderful. in June of 2019. I have tried to find another UFO writing job. And I, I back again, I get laughed out of the office, even though I've got, uh, we've got three of the best books ever published on the topic of the, of the, of the, the actual data. So that's interesting. That actually brings me to something that I wanted to discuss with you in terms of the stigma that comes with UFO sightings, right? Somebody says, I, you know, I've, I've seen a UFO and most people don't believe them or what have you. Do you feel like that stigma is going away in recent months and years with government agencies starting to say, okay, we do have some UFO activity or UAP activity or whatever they, whatever they're calling it these days. Do you feel like the stigma has gone away and people are more willing to share their stories or do you feel like it's the same. If people didn't believe before, they don't believe now. Uh, being that in 2020, it was going, it was all over the evening news with all the footage of uh, uh, leaked footage that Jeremy Corbell managed to get, mm -hmm. get put up on national television. And yes. my hat's off to Jeremy, believe me. Yes. Um, and, and so with that, I say, yes, a lot more people have woken up to it. But in the spring of 2020, eh, spring, early summer, just before we put the pink book out, I was going over to get certain things copied at the local staples near me. And the manager knew what I was working on. He'd say, hey, Cheryl, how you doing? Oh, wow, you guys are almost done with that book. Did you take all the kooks, nuts, and crackpots out? You know, uh, so there was, this, <sighs> there was this perception that, that, yeah, they may exist, but everybody who reports them are kooks, nuts, and crackpots. And, uh, so, but then again, I, I get that. I even get that on some of these podcasts and, uh, they, they immediately come after my juggler vein and start asking me, well, what are your best case studies? I don't have case studies. I'm a statistician. Right. Okay. That's yes. one thing you said in your book too, was, you know, we can discuss the what without discussing the how or the why, which I think I may have misquoted you there, but I thought no, that, that, that was that's really pretty close. Yeah. 
That's exactly okay. What I, found. <laughs> I, I found that really interesting. Like we can have discussions about what people have seen without knowing why these things are happening, right? In fact, it almost yeah. makes it more interesting to have those discussions and to speculate in terms, you know, what people are seeing, what it might be, where it could have come from. And I I was floored with your book because one of the people that we have interviewed on our show is a good friend of mine who, when we started this, she called me and said, do you really talk about UFOs on your show? I said, yeah, we do. She said, I saw a UFO. And she saw it in Queens, New York back in 2002. And I could not believe, I mean, her story is compelling. So reading through your book, I was sending her pictures of pages that you had written because it just all was so similar to what she had seen. You know, it was funny. Just before I started writing the column, when I thought about writing it, before I started going out and pitching editors, I went into one of my favorite diners. And instead of sitting in a booth, I sat at the bar. And the, the lady waiting on me knew me because I was a regular. And and uh, she says, what are you up to this week, Cheryl? And I said, well, I might be writing a newspaper column for one of the local papers. Oh, about what? UFOs. And it got real quiet at the bar. And then uh, she started serving me and everything. And one by one, people started creeping up to me. So I had a sighting or my brother-in-law had a sighting or my wife had a sighting. My grandmother had a sighting. And I, I must have had a line over a period of an hour while I'm sitting there eating my breakfast. 20 people come up to me and tell me they had a sighting. And let me give you a flavor. Um, the data in the pink book reflects 167,632 uh, UFO sighting reports. Okay. Wow. Well, Okay, and that that's about 83. Well, if we were averaging out to 20 years, it'd be about 8,300 a year. And that's between both MUFON and New Forks data. I could, we combined them, okay? And um, the goofy thing about it is that uh, in 2017, a, a metric came out in one of the polls that was done by Fox Pictures. They ask all the typical questions. Do you believe? Are you on the fence? Uh, do you think it's all hogwash? And it was always 35, 36%, 40, uh, 42% on the fence, 17% say it's baloney. Okay. That's typically what those polls were saying, going back to 2012 with National Geographic. But they ask one additional question. They ask a question, have you seen a UFO? And they said 16.74% of people had said they saw a UFO, but that didn't jive with 160 or 8,300 a year. Okay. Um, and it's not exactly 8,300 because the cycle goes up and down type of thing. Like a little it goes up about six, seven year cycle and then goes back down again. Um, so I didn't trust the metric at the time in 2017 and in 2000, September, 2019, uh, uh, Gallup poll did a similar uh, poll and they came up with the same numbers. Of course, they spun it different. Oh yeah. 60% of people don't believe in UFOs, you know, taking that 30% who do believe, you know, and it's all a matter how you spin the results, but they had that mm -hmm. one of that 16 point, some decimal point number of percentage said that they had seen it. So now I had two measured metrics saying about 16%. We're going back against adult Americans at the population at that time, 
um, it worked out that somewhere on the order of somewhere 43 to 45 million people say they'd seen the UFOs. And that definitely didn't jive with 167,000. Right. So we crunched the numbers a couple of different ways. And then we finally got a bell curve. We hadn't end up having to go to every single state, look at every single state's adult population and their sightings. So we got a bell curve. Okay. And the, at, the, at one end of the bell curve, it was like one in 150 people report goes up and does the hump. Okay. And then the other end of the bell curve was one in 450 persons, that type of thing. But the top of the bell curve, I'm going to try and get into the, the picture here. The top of the bell curve was in the range of uh, uh, 200 to 250 across the top of that bell. So it, we basically publish one in 250 people reports what they see. Actually, what the number we we publish is one in 254 people report what they see. Wow. Yeah. And it certainly seems like there's a lot of sightings. I mean, again, we have know so many people now who have seen them. Well, when you take that number back, you take any sighting number uh, and you, 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 you times it by 254, suddenly the numbers in even a very small state go through the roof. Oh, you right. know, mm -hmm. and, and, um, I had trouble reconciling that, but you know, you'd see a sighting, it'd be reported, say, say it got reported in the paper, which is rare anymore. Since 68, right. it has been rare to get something reported in the paper. That's probably why my column took off so well. And what would happen is people would start writing us. Well, yeah, I heard about that one last week. You know, I had one two years ago. And what you saw was, and Project Blue Book noted this, there was a rash of reporting after a published story about a sighting. Okay. And but the but was it copycat reporting? No, it was people who felt dutiful and said, Well, maybe I should report what I saw right last month, a year ago, whatever. Okay, and that's kind of or what justified. It was. Or justified, right? And then I told people back with the first book, I said, you know, remember back after 9-11-2001, people told us to report what we see. And cheapers, creepers, people have been doing it in spades, you know? And <laughs> yes. here, here's the one thing I got to tell your, your, your audience. People seem to think that the 40s, 50s, 60s were the golden age of UFOs, Okay. Okay, when our white book came out, the first the first book in 2017, it was 2001 to 2015 numbers, okay? People said, well, why didn't you go back 40 years? Okay, so when we did worked on the pink book, we didn't include these numbers, but we wrote a, a small paper about uh, going back 40 years, going back to 1960. We managed to get the, just the magnitudes. We didn't get the stories. We just got the magnitudes from MUFON and from New Fork from 1960 to 2000. Okay. And we got in there and the numbers only amounted to 40 years worth of numbers. And if you looked at the graph, it looked like a little snake going across the, going across the lawn, you know, in seven year cycles, up, down, up, down, up, down, that type of thing. And what it amounted to was 40 years. 13,150 sightings reported. Okay. I've got that many in just 2012 and 2013 each year by themselves. Yes. So people say those other ages were the golden years of UFOs. Baby, we are in the platinum age. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's why I appreciated your pink book. We're talking to Cheryl Costa, author or co-author 
of books such as The UFO Sightings Desk Reference and The UFO Beat. That's what I appreciate, Cheryl, about The UFO Sightings Desk Reference. I minored in mathematics. I taught math for a long time in my career. And you opened this book up, and I was it, it took me by surprise. I said, did I accidentally grab one of my statistics books from college? <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciated that. And you got into things about how, for example, we see statistics like per capita numbers and how, you know, they can be twisted and misleading depending, you know, their open interpretation, how you mix them with the headlines and, and how you, <sighs> you broke down things like UFO lore and, and bias and applied statistical analysis to this. And I think this is so important. For example, this notion that the 37th parallel, this is in your book, is, is known as the UFO superhighway. But when you break it down by statistical <laughs> analysis, right, right. So what, what has been, you know, I don't know, the biggest takeaway for you applying scientific methods and statistical analysis to this data? My biggest takeaway um, I found truth in it. Okay. Um, because lots of things, people, I, I still get mail from somebody that says, Oh, Hey, North Dakota is a hot spot. And uh, North Dakota ranks in the bottom five of States for UFO sightings. Right. You know, South Dakota is the bottom. Um, and, you know, and then you see the per capita things and headlining the newspapers, you know, um, uh, when the pink book people when the pink book came out, people were saying to me, well, "Wait a minute, isn't isn't Maine supposed to not Maine? Um, Vermont it was Vermont, or I think it was Vermont. Isn't Vermont ground zero for UFOs?" And I said, "Per mm -hmm. capita, it might be, but from a pure count standpoint, it's not. Not even close." Right. Well, we want to go do a sighting party there. And I said, "You're going to a state that might average uh, five sightings a month." I said, right. would you like to go to a state that has that state's yearly totals in a month? You know, and people say, well, where's the hot spots? And I have to ask them now, are you saying by quantity of UFOs uh, for specific shapes for a specific season? These things have the shapes have seasons. You know, who knew that before we did statistical analysis? You know, uh, so I settled the thing the other day. So uh, about a week ago, I, I had a bunch of people say, oh, you got to tell us where the hot spot is. I said, yeah, it's zip code eight five zero zero one Phoenix, Arizona. Hands down. That's it. End of the game. I should have paid more <laughs> attention when I lived there. <laughs> yeah, CJ, you still live out there. But then I, I got you know, that act. Go ahead. That actually brings me to another part of your book, which I thought I loved all of the stories and found them very fascinating. But I thought the most poignant article that you wrote, the most poignant column that you wrote was called, Can You See the Alien Spacecraft in Your Front Yard? And you talked oh, yeah. about how people simply don't always see what's truly happening. Like we see with our eyes and then our brain interprets what we saw and it Thank rationalizes you. what we saw. And you brought up, of course, that very famous psychology study where people are passing a basketball and the, the participants are asked to watch who, how the basketball is passed. And 
while they're watching that, they miss the person in the gorilla suit walk through. (laughs) And I remember watching, I remember doing that in college and missing the gorilla suit, right? So how many things are we just not seeing or our brains are convincing us or something else. I felt like that was such such a, an important thing to note in your column. How many times have we left our car keys on the on the coffee table and we're going to tearing the house apart, can't find our keys, and they're sitting there on the coffee table? Yeah, yes. that's too many. <laughs> yeah, we've all done it, you know. <laughs> or glasses you know, on our head. From a statistical standpoint, I've got to be honest about something. I flunked math all through school. Um, what we didn't know was we did not know in high school in the 60s that I was dyslexic. Didn't mm-hmm. find that out till I got in the Air Force. And then they put me through some special training to help me deal with it and compensate. Okay. But when the white book came out in 2017 and the New York Times did a huge story about us. Okay. Uh, Science Magazine of all things. You know, I don't know if either of you have seen that. No, I have no, not seen that. I have not. Okay. Okay. Google. NYT UFO Costa. Okay. You will get you will get uh, a, a April 24th, 25th article in Science Magazine from the New York Times. Okay. And that article ran, and I got calls from some people I went to high school with, hadn't seen in 40 years. And oh, they wow. said, uh, Cheryl, you flunked math all through high school. We've got six dead man teachers rolling over like a rotisserie in their graves because you just published a book about statistics. But oh, the deal man. was, okay, here's the deal. Um, there's a thing called maturation. Okay. People mature to things at different rates. And one day in my mid twenties, it's like somebody threw a switch. I started being able to see patterns and numbers. I would sit in the corner for hours playing with a four banger calculator, just looking at the, the, the ratios of numbers and things. It just, it just flowered in front of me. Okay. So I went to a used bookstore, picked up high school um, uh, algebra books and advanced algebra books and that type of thing and trig books. And I literally re-educated myself in mathematics in my late, uh, mid to late twenties. It's never too late. Wonderful. Yeah. And the other thing I found out when I was, I, you know, it's pretty obvious. I, I'm a trans person. I went through gender change 30 to 32 years ago. And um, when they were running me through all the tests that they run you through back in the day, they, they're a little bit more lax about it these days. But uh, back back in the uh, 80s, they were very thorough about running you through all kinds of batteries of tests. And uh, the, the Hopkins people got done running me through the tests and they said, hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Perfectly healthy woman took this test. And I said, okay. And he said, by the way, uh, you should be a member of Benza. You got like 140 IQ. And I said, oh, okay. You know, really? you know that, that kind of act, who knows? I don't know if I do or not, but they said, I <laughs> and, and, um, run with that, bo- take that and run with it. <laughs> well, okay. I did run with the Mensa people for a while and, and I, <laughs> I, 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 I've been voted party animal twice at their conference, their internet, <laughs> their national con- convention or something like that. Uh, in fact, that, that came up at work once, uh, I had a, a new manager and she can't call me in the office the second day I was working for her and says, so you were the part voted party animal of the of the convention <laughs> twice at a mensa conference i said hmm? <laughs> you know is that a problem he said no i'm a member of mensa that's cool you know but the bottom line with all this stuff with statistics the biggest critics i get 
are not from people not of the UFO community. The biggest credits I get are from the UFO community. Linda Stanton Friedman had a great line. If you can't trash the data, trash the people. Okay. And so what happened was, um, okay, they don't, they figured out I was trans. So they were, you know, how can we believe this person's number? She doesn't know what, it doesn't know what gender it is. Okay. Hmm. So, uh, 2019, I was booked into a UFO convention about every two weeks for the whole year. Okay. And I decided I was going to take that in hand. Plus they were criticizing Linda and you're a married couple. What the heck is that? Or are she, or her sister-in-law, what they, they, nobody could wrap their head. Oh, gosh. So the first, I inserted five slides into my presentation. There was the title slide. And then there was a picture of me. And, and I said, this is who I used to be. And I showed him a picture of my battle garb in Vietnam. I showed him my Navy uniform, my big bushy beard. And then I showed him my 1996 glamor shot, you know, that type of thing. And then I showed him a picture of Linda and me jumping over the groom at our commitment ceremony. And I said, we are a married couple, okay? And this is who I used to be, and this is who we are. And we've done real serious science re research in the UFO community, and it's been dreadfully needed for a long time. And if you cannot deal with me, you will never deal with ET. <laughs> I was waiting to get stoned response. off the stage, you know, and ultimately uh, 600 people got up and gave me a standing ovation. So, okay. So. To be continued. You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our show depends on the support of listeners like you. To help keep us going, please be sure to visit patreon.com backslash all things unexplained. Our Patreon patrons get early access to podcasts, as well as exclusive audio and video clips. Or you can find us on Venmo under the business accounts. Just look for at Bigfoot UFO. Additionally, you can support us at buymeacoffee.com backslash unexplained. If you can't get enough of us, go ahead and check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man who wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he wears a lot of hats. Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained.